We'll talk about movies, you know we will, both popular and obscure. It's Josh and Jeremy's, a movie club. It's unsolicited conjecture. It's unsolicited conjecture. All right, all right. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Movie Club. Welcome back to Josh and Jeremy's Movie Club Unsolicited Conjecture. There's a lot of titles. Yeah, we got a whole lot going on, including that theme song. That completely brand new, all original theme song. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he composed that music entirely. Like, didn't take any cues from anything you've heard before. I I composed it with with my own brain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I think it was excellent. It's right on brand, and we're going to use it until, of course, you make something different, and then maybe we'll use that. I slaved over a hot guitar for, for five minutes. <laughs> at least <laughs> at least five minutes. We actually played it over the phone and recorded it over the phone. And by we, I mean Josh. By the way, I'm Jeremy. That's Josh. This is our show. What's up, everybody? It's the Unsolicited Conjecture Movie Club. That's right. We are here to rock and roll. And what are we going to be talking about in today's movie? A, a movie. A movie. Doing a movie uh, today. Getting right to it. We are going to be discussing 2017's The Ritual. Mm, you know, I had never heard of this movie. Actually, I think I saw the trailer for it and never actually watched it. And then we started discussing movies that we think maybe we should uh, check out. Maybe something that not too many people have seen, but is actually very good. Josh suggested this. So I watched it last night for the first time. And I don't want to say thoroughly surprised because you suggested it and said it was a good movie. So I assumed it would be a good movie. So you were shocked when I wasn't wrong. Well, I was shocked at how good it was for the budget it had. Yeah. For as as little production that you would think went into something like that. It feels like a lot of production. It's a big movie for, yeah, for how how little they had to spend. Yeah, right around 2017, uh, 2018, there were a couple, there was sort of a trilogy of of sort of Lovecraft adjacent movies that came out that were all low budget, but all really good. Uh, there's this one and also the void and also the endless. And maybe we'll get to take a look at those at some point in the future too. But this one, uh, I just love, I love how much they accomplished with how little they had. No, I agree. It, it was, it was very well done. Um, it was like, even the feel of the movie for something so low budget, theoretically, it had a very cinematic and filmic feel. Like there was no like a lot of times when you get to these B movies and you get to the dark scenes, you see a lot of post-production grain that pops up and stuff. And just, you know, the quality of the film itself that there can capture goes down, but this is still just it has, super high up. It has there. the cinematography yeah, down. It has and, the feel that you want. Yeah, and the cinematography works so well with. I mean, they highlight. It's the environment. They highlight. They went. Uh, well, we'll we'll get to it. Well, yeah. I don't want to get to where they where. Yeah, they yeah. Go ahead. Yet. Give us some but, more stats about this movie. So, to start off, this movie is rated TV ma. Ma. TV ma. Watch it with your ma. Uh, not. No theatrical release in the U.S. Uh, there was a theatrical release in the U.K., though. Oh, where, nice. Where this movie is from. But this isn't actually a Netflix movie, is it? Like, did Netflix produce it, it or did they just pick it up early? It's a Netflix original B 
because I think they bought the rights to it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I assume, too, because I think when we were talking about it, you said it was 2018 on Netflix, but 2017 listed basically everywhere else. It probably released, we had a limited release in the UK, and then at some film festival, uh, Netflix bought it. I think they bought it, yeah. Uh, This is a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb, 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think those are both a little low. I, I agree. But, I agree. Uh, but you could also Especially imagine, the IMDb number. Yeah. But you can also imagine if you're like a big Freddy Krueger horror guy. Yeah. Or if you're into the Jasons and the Michael Myerses, and then you sit down to watch this, you're going to be like, this is just a bunch of British guys arguing in the woods. <laughs> but Which it kind of is, too. It is that. No, it is a bunch of British guys arguing in the woods. But it's really well done, and it's a really well-told story. Uh, so the ratings, ratings be damned, but with a budget of approximately $1 million ish, less than $1 million is the only, the only, uh, figure I could find. Yeah. That's why we kept saying low budget early and realistically under a million dollars is about as low budget, a budget, budget words that you can get at like this level. Like that's why I'm so surprised by the quality of it. It's not a fan film, but, uh. It made a million uh, in the UK box office for its limited run, and then Netflix bought it for five million. Or four, oh, nice! Four point seven five million. So it made six million dollars, I guess, from the filmmaker's perspective. So does the uh, filmmaker get all that money when uh, it sells like that? I have no idea, but uh, the director, his name is David Bruckner. Yep. Uh, he also directed uh, VHS, which was. A fairly popular uh, horror uh, anthology. I do remember that back. movie, and I think there were some sequels to that. I don't know if he. Did I never the saw the sequels. I know for sure I saw the original, where they had like the whole bunch of old analog TVs stacked up in like a wall, and they would watch. Yeah, I think so. I think that was. But I, I think, think that, that was. Like, it that was like was a whole bunch of marketing. short stories that they yeah. were watching in this house they broke into, or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, it's like an anthology. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, and uh, he's also directing the upcoming Hellraiser reboot. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So there you go. Upcoming. I think we've seen some images of that. There's a fem- The pinhead is female now. Oh, that's cool. What's with all this all this woke? <laughs> you can't have pins in your face and be a woman. No. No, we don't care. Uh, yeah. So new new pinhead coming. This movie stars Rafe Spall. As Luke, uh, Archer Ali as Phil, Robert James Collier as Hutch, and J- Sam Trotton as Dom, which I also have written here as Glasses Nerd. <laughs> Just so you can remember to easier. identify them. Yeah. So, yeah, because yeah. his actor picture on IMDb doesn't look anything like his picture or him in this movie. Yeah, but so, he's, he's Glasses Nerd. Yeah, I think uh, Rafe Spall did a really great job. Uh, Arshar Ali obviously was really good. Yeah, every, um, I didn't have a I didn't have a problem with the acting in this movie. Yeah, but. actually, when I first started watching it, I was very well. We'll get into the movie if once we're done with the stats. Yeah, uh, Jeremy, you, you can know talk what? a little bit about the writers. Sure, talk about the writers. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the writers, Joe Barton and Adam Neville, right? Looks like it. Yeah, uh, what, you told me they wrote something else just recently. No, I was wrong. It was uh, the other guys. Okay, okay. I get because, like I said, this movie in my head. Is part of a trilogy of kind of good, low uh-huh, budget, I see. Lovecraft movies from this time. I was thinking about The Endless, 
Okay. And the two guys who did The Endless and also starred in The Endless also wrote Moon Knight. I yeah, believe. that's what you said. That's so what it got, was. And that's they're what doing it was. the sequel. So those it was those guys. I don't think this guy's been pulled anywhere. And uh, yeah. Well, there you go. Well, the writers, Joe Barton, uh, he did the film adaptation and Adam Neville actually wrote the novel. So there are some subtle yeah, differences in the two. Book. Yeah, it's based on a book. Uh, I'll get. We'll talk about it a little later. There are a few subtle dis, uh, differences, and you can get a little bit more information about the film from the book because there oh, are yeah. a few more things talked about in there. But overall, we'll get into that eventually. What's coming up next? Yeah, uh, all the actors have. They're all prolific guys. They've all done a bunch of stuff, and they've been in some things I recognize, but nothing that I saw that I could remember any of them being. In. Arshur Ali, I remember his face instantaneously when it popped up. It was one of those, I know this guy from somewhere movies and Rafe Spall about halfway through it. I got the same thing. I was like, I know I've seen him in something. I just don't know what. Did you figure out what? Uh, no, I did not, but I can look it up because this time we're a little prepared and we have a computer at IMDb right in front of us. I tried. I looked at the IMDb's of everybody as I was watching and I, nothing jumped out at me in their you know, known for as the thing that I would know them from. Uh, well, life of British guys, life of pie, hot fuzz. That's where I, I guarantee you, I know them from hot fuzz. Sure. There's a, but there's a lot of people in hot fuzz. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I think remember I remember very specifically who he was. Okay. Uh, he was also in life of pie. Uh, the big short. Was he the tiger in the boat? I hope so. No, that was just, I've seen pictures of that VFX uh, tiger doll. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It has the worst eyes drawn on it ever. Oh, oh yeah. it's so horrible. Um, but either way, after we've talked about the cast, what are we on to next? The next segment. Dun, dun, dun. No, what? Is it, is it the plot? Plot? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can go to the plot if you want. Is that what the next segment is? I can't even remember, honestly. Let's just roll with the plot because we talked about it. Jeremy, what was the plot of this movie? So I can tell you the basic storyline right here. According to IMDb, a group of friends reunite after a long time to plan a vacation. I'm not going to read all that. That's very long. So I'm just going to tell you these four friends, they get together. Riveting. Spoiler if you haven't seen the movie. Uh, one Everything, of them. All of this is spoilers. Yeah. From We've probably already spoiled it. Yeah, just listening to the review of the movie, I would hope you've already seen it before. But either way, these guys are getting together to kind of like spread the ashes or remember their friend who passed away. Uh, one of them obtains an injury during the hike and they decide to take a shortcut through the woods. And during this wood, a monster of some sort starts picking them off and eventually becomes a cult movie, for lack of a better term. Yeah, sort of. It's it's hard to say. Yeah, um, because I guess it's it's just a it's a real religion, just real old. So does that make it a cult? I would think so. It's more it's almost more justifiable as a religion because because there's an the, a visual creature the God they work they worship will smash them into a tree if they don't. Yeah. So it was yeah. it was interesting. This movie goes some interesting places. Um, but yeah, that's basically it. A couple friends decide to take a hike through Norway and are not prepared for the the Norse mythological creatures that they'll have to contend with along the way. That's right. So uh, if you want, we can give you a little bit of breakdown of this. Uh, the creature, they never officially say it's movie, in the movie. They never officially say its name. But in the novel, it's Moder, which is like, um, it means mother. 
for lack of a better term. Um, it is technically in the book, it's a female and in the movie, it's a male. Uh, that's the big difference between the two monsters, I guess. Uh, I wouldn't know that it was a male in the movie unless I read it and someone told me. How can you know? That's what's weird. Well, like, because the writer actually changed it. Um, so that was one of his choices to change it from a female in the book, which stood motor, which means mother. Um, and in the movie, it has no name. And it's a bastardized son of Loki in the book. It's a bastardized daughter of Loki. And yes, that is the Norse god Loki that everyone has seen Tom Hardy play. Not Tom Hardy, Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston yes. <laughs> is Tom, Tom Hiddleston was not available for this film. Yes, exactly. Um, to give birth to a weird deer monster with mouth arms. Uh, so yeah, so they run into that cult and the cult worships the god and the god helps them live eternally, theoretically. But yeah, we'll, we'll get a little into that. So we start from the beginning. We have these five friends who all clearly went to college together. They're hanging out at the pub trying to decide where they want to go spend this vacation. Our main character, Luke, uh, is clearly he's he's got some issues to start with in this movie. Yes, he's but, he's definitely um, in his own head a lot. And yeah, and he's definitely taken on the role of, of all his other friends are moving on with their lives, and mm -hmm. he seems like he really isn't. Yep. Uh, so he's disappointed in his friends who have gotten married and had kids and slowed down and don't want to go out and rage quite as often. Um, but. In the planning, uh, one of the friends, Robert, says he wants to take this hike through Norway and then leaving the pub and going into a, a liquor store to get a bottle, some, uh, well, the place gets held up. Yep, robbed. robbed. Our main character, Luke, hides. Which is a reasonable thing to do. It is, but it left his friend standing and, and visible to the robbers. And his friend refused to give up his wedding ring, and they killed him. So we we watch Luke be a coward, yeah. kind of, and watch his friend get killed as his friend is making eye contact with him. That um, was an interesting scene, too, because I like the way they kind of played it, because he gave them everything. It's really yeah. abrupt. It, comes, it really comes out of left field. I wasn't even really paying attention to the movie that much. I was currently working on something else when I started watching it, and this scene drug me into the movie and then I didn't stop watching from this point on. Like I literally stopped what I was doing before to watch it. And I like the way they played the here, you can have you can have my wallet. You can have my watch. The only thing you can't have is my wedding ring. Yeah. And then like I don't know. I thought that there there is well, wherein you see the bravery versus something. the cowardice yeah, that he, they're trying to show. He took a stand there. Yeah. And then so this this, you know, hike that no one wanted to go on except for this guy becomes a memorial trip. Yeah, they kind of, I guess they decide to take this one because it was his idea. Cause, yeah, because it hard cuts. Yeah, exactly. To them all standing on In, a mountaintop. Yeah, all right. Like, there's no them hiking there together or anything. It's like they are already there. Yeah, and basically the rest of this movie is just out in the wilderness. And this place is beautiful and creepy looking. Like oh, yeah. it's a good I see why they chose this place for sure. Um it was so it's supposed to be a, a a mountain hike sort of in between or along the border of, of Sweden and Norway. Uh, it was actually shot in the Carpathian Mountains in Romania. Yep. 
it's I mean, it's gorgeous. It's really beautiful and it looks like a very ancient forest. That it, it does. It, it's the type of forest that makes you feel insignificant just instantly. So that that really, you know, permeates the whole the whole film. And as these guys are hiking, uh Glasses Nerd is complaining and, and twists his knee and they decide to take this shortcut where in the rain they come upon a cabin. <laughs> yeah. Which you should never go into cabins. Especially if they're super ancient looking and you gotta break into it. Yeah. So they break into this cabin. Uh it's weird and creepy and they all make note of that. There's And then there's something real creepy upstairs. <laughs> there's yeah, it's this wicker uh, statue of a headless man with holding antlers or antlers for hands yeah, yeah it's there's a lot going on there um but everybody's kind of terrified but they don't have much choice at this point so they they all go to sleep which is when the movie really kicks off yep. hard because they all go to sleep in their sleeping bags in the living room of this little cabin and they all wake up somewhere different <laughs> Yeah, that was that that was somewhere different doing something different. Yeah. Different you find out later, different nightmares. Yeah, so the main character Luke wakes up it just standing in the woods with some sort of five-pointed like scar on his chest, this bleeding wound on his chest. Did he wake up in the I thought he woke up like pressed up against a tree. He had the five those five holes yeah i thought he was leaning maybe he wasn't but i he thought he woke up kind of leaned up against, up against yeah. the tree um but we we saw that we see archer ali who's phil is wakes up naked, naked. praying <laughs> to the statue in the in the attic that would be the creepiest one for me part if i had to experience any of those it would not be that one hopefully yeah hutch is across the room and he pissed himself and, uh-huh and the other glasses nerd dom he's uh He's screaming about his wife in the corner. Yep, hidden in the corner. Uh, <laughs> the rest of this movie just gets more and more like uncomfortable. Well, and then they also remember they walk outside and all the trees have all the runes. the symbols, the runes yeah. all over them. I have some information about those runes, but we'll what? save those for later if you want. Oh. All right, oh, we can talk about it. them now. Yeah. Some, all right, some all right. Elder Futhark runes. Yeah. So uh, there's the. Othala or the Odal rune. Uh, it's been translated many different ways. It can mean inherited estate or descent. Uh, Odal tr- typically represents home, tradition, and ancestral heritage, but once displayed upside down, indicating stagnation or slavery to tradition. So that's kind of important. Later on, the uh, Loki god monster modor actually creates the symbol with uh their hands quote unquote as he's trying to make them worship during that scene yeah uh, so i thought that was pretty cool um another one of the main runes used is the algiz or the alhaz rune if i'm saying those who knows if i'm probably, saying it right it's probably a hard g for yeah old norse who knows uh but it's given to the z rune uh which basically translated over is elk and it also represents the divine might of the universe divine elk makes the, a lot of sense yeah, for this monster exactly exactly yeah so those are the main runes that you've seen scribbled upon all the trees and all the symbolism well in the tradition and family i mean that's sort of what this this creature 
yeah. is creating. Exactly. We find out later. So yeah, so they find this tape. There, everybody's freaked out. They pack up their bags quickly. They try to get back on the path. They, Dom, glasses nerd, as I've been affectionately referring to him as, <laughs> is it, the one who's injured, and he's insisting on following a path that does not go the right direction, and everybody just kind of lets him, which. No, punch that guy in the face. Yeah, and go the right way. Yeah, or just go back the way you sh- you shouldn't have taken the just make. Yeah, make the nerd walk. Take the shortcut because it was only going to be like another eight hours of walking. They said. Yeah, one of the this shortcut was supposed to cut, like they've already wasted so much time. Yeah, it wasn't the biggest shortcut. It was like it was like saving them forty five minutes. Yeah, it wasn't going to do that over much. twelve hours. <laughs> so. From that point, they move out to, uh, they keep following this path and they, you know, that's the that's path what, is a very loose interpretation of what they're following. Yeah. So. It just looked like more woods. Yeah. But that's where they find the deer. That's yes. The deer that's strung up. Impal- What's well, yeah. It, these, these, this deer is impaled on a tree branch, but it's a tree branch, like 12 feet up. So they're all wondering what could do this. And somebody says a bear. Well, there's no. No, there's. Yeah, there's no way. There's no 20 foot tall bear. So I can also give you a little bit of information about why they chose that direction and why they're displayed up like that. Is it's part of the cultist uh, mythology about Odin, which is why Loki's offspring would be so interested in Mm -hmm. it. And it relates directly back to the fact that Odin originally gained all of his wisdom and knowledge of rune magic by hanging himself from the world tree. Uh, I do not know how to pronounce that. Yggdrasil. There you go. You know how to pronounce it. Perfect. Uh, By impaling himself on his spear, uh, Gunger. Gunger. Because he also, yeah, he also then gave up his eye, right? Yeah. He gave up an eye for for all the knowledge of the universe. So, but that's where it's coming from. Like, he's like... The impaling on the tree. Hanging from the tree and impaling and opening up. So that's where he got his kind of, like, the the modality behind how he was going to visually put this on screen. I don't know what the creature was trying to teach that deer. Yeah, yeah, I don't understand that either. I just figured they're high up in the air because, well, they're frost giants. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So, Jeremy, what's our next? What's our next thing? Uh, wh- what do we just do? We just did plot. Well, we're talking about the plot. Yeah. Oh, where did they go from here? So this is where sure. they end up in the. Wait, we just left the cabin. That's correct. So now they're walking through the woods, um, and then it's like creepy, but nothing really too creepy is going on. And our main character, Luke, I believe, tries to go up. To the hilltop to see if he can see something. Yeah, to go up the to the to see if you can see over the over the, the ridge. And this is the first time we're like officially introduced to the extreme creepiness that's about to happen, and the first kind of like teaser shot of the monster itself. Yeah, it's just this really gorgeous shot through the trees, and you there's so many trees, and they're so tight, you can kind of see movement. At certain points, like behind them, but you don't know where you're supposed to look. Yep. And there's this gorgeous shot of this hand on a tree, but you can't see it until the hand pulls back. 
and the move the movement locks your eye into it and it's incredibly effective yeah and this it's like a slow push-in shot that's probably a minute straight like it's a long push-in slow slow shot yeah, so you're you, searching for the screen you're like what is here it gives you time and unless you know where it is you don't see it as soon as it moves you're like oh and it gives you and then it it does the jump cut straight to him and so that that was a really good scene he runs back Honestly, when I was watching it, I thought right here he had lost his friends and he wasn't going to find him anymore. Yeah. I thought once he moved from them, the woods had taken him because I had never seen it before. But he does meet back up with his friends and tell him he saw some creepy stuff. Yeah. And then uh, and then their friend Hutch gets treed. Well, that happens at night, right? Yeah. The first time. Yeah. yeah. They can't they camp for the first night. The camp. He gets grabbed. But this is also when we're introduced first to the other the the supernatural power that this god has, and that is um, like mentalism, for lack of a better term. Yeah, well, people are seemingly you don't know if if other, we're seeing this all from the perspective of of Luke. Yes, and we're seeing Luke's guilt, but he, and he wakes up. Like I think this is the second dream. The first dream is when they fall asleep in the in the cabin. Yes. Remember? And that's uh-huh. the, so cool because he's laying in bed and there's lightning flashing outside, but then the lightning just freezes. Yeah. And then when he and looks out the really, window, it's really creepy. I mean, obviously, it's just a light pointing in the window, but the way it just freezes because it, it, it feels really neat. Uh, this is once again going back to what we were talking about earlier about how they did so much with so little. Just by. So, yeah. Something yeah. so innocuous was a very creepy scene and it just goes like you don't need constant jump scares you don't need a shit ton of makeup on something like you just need it to be good and this was good it was shot well cinematography spot on yeah and this is and this is the point now where uh in his dream or in his hallucination, yeah we start seeing elements of the liquor store where his friend died merging into the woods like you see the ground and the roots and the trees around it but like the lights hanging yeah it's intermingled so well these are you said it earlier off mic but i agree this is this is one of the most interesting and well done shots and i bet a lot of the budget probably went into that somehow probably because they probably shot that with practicals on set and then merged it digitally after with the same kind of shot but you're like the the lighting they used with it it's not lit too much it's not too dark that's another good thing about this movie we watch a lot of horror movies and they're like too dark we talked about it uh with uh, Prey when we talked about Alien vs. Predator and all that where it's just so dark you can't see what's going on very well shot and this scene in particular is the first time you're like like something is definitely going on here yeah there's definitely something supernatural or maybe it's just in their head we don't know because we're seeing it from like I said m- mostly from Luke's perspective so maybe the other guys are all seeing their own being confronted with their own guilt or subconscious later we find out they are yeah but from now right now we don't know anyone else is experiencing really anything other than luke yeah um so at this point in the movie they're just trying to survive trying to get out they can't 
you know, save their friend. Yeah, at this point, they realize that they, they all wake up to the rustling in the tent, and that's when Hutch gets taken, right? And then so you can, they all wake up, the three of them are standing there, and you can hear them screaming off in the distance, and they're looking with the flashlight. And this is... This is the first scene where it's like true goes into true horror from Blair Witch. Before this, it's very Blair Witchian. You know what I mean? It has it's not like POV like Blair Witch, but it has that feel, that vibe about it Uh, until this scene where it goes straight horror. You can hear him screaming off in the distance. And Luke is the only one that's like, let's go find our friend. The, yeah. the the coward from earlier is the only one that decides to rush in to the darkness with a flashlight to look for him. Yeah, well, and of course, one friend is the other one guy's hurt. And then the other guy's still really loopy yeah. from waking up praying to this thing. Phil. Yeah. And he says it's in it's in my head. So they're really. Yeah, he does. They're fall- And so, yeah, the only guy who's sort of got it together, the only one who's ha- not having that much trouble hiking is the guy who's smoking cigarettes at every opportunity. <laughs> He's the only one not winded. Well, it's also, I bet, like, I thought about this later after watching the movie, and I think that probably has a lot to do with just a well-thought-out character design because Luke is also the only one who is constantly struggling with this internal big debate constantly it seems like the other characters what they're seeing the visions that they allude to later are less intense or like less world changing than his um and obviously everybody's dealing with different stuff but yeah it's uh, luke was the one who was like chosen yeah and we get into why you know, he was chosen. We can fast forward. We don't have to go through it. You guys watched it. If you're listening to this, I'm sure you watched it. Yeah. But um, so we can jump around a little bit. But once we get to the end or once we get to the 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 little town, basically, um, they think they're the, all that's left is is Luke and, and Dom and they get to this. They're they're captured. Another basically. cabin in the woods another cabin with but this time a trail of creepy like tar fire cans how would you ever think you were safe if you saw that i would think i was going the wrong way if i saw that they get in there's a fire burning there's an old record player and music going and uh-huh. they, get, they get knocked unconscious i actually have a, a note about that scene in particular Do when it. they look over and they see the woman praying to the stone The stone is a faithful reproduction of the Kirby Stevenson or, oh, Kirby Stephen or Loki stone house in St. Stephen's church in Kirkby, Stephen in Britain. The stone is thought to depict the Norse God Loki bound and chained. So this is a direct copy of a real stone that was worshiped by people a long time ago yeah, or, in yeah, a similar archaeologi- manner. Like yeah. archaeologically discovered it. I thought you would think in particular that was cool. Yeah, that is really neat. Because uh, there's not much, you know, for for everything we know, for all the Thor movies that we get, um, and the Vikings shows. And I just stuff. started watching that. What, Vikings? Uh-huh. It's good. It's it's all right. Yeah. Um, there's a... Uh, we don't really know much about Norse religion. Like, we know these characters of thor and and loki and odin and and all that and we have the marvel versions of course um but that's all coming from sort of a post christian converted like norway so um 
you just we don't know as much about what those guys actually believed because you can see the the whole idea of like a pantheon of Norse gods, the Norse didn't really have that same. It wasn't a unified religion. Yeah, it wasn't like Christianity, like something that was one thing and written down. And it right? wasn't Zeus and Hercules all living together on, you know, that that's sort of how it was converted, or what it was changed to in the poetic Eddas, which were written hundreds and hundreds of years yeah. later. So it's neat to, there's a lot of room to play when talking about actual like Norse religion, what did Vikings actually believe before they all converted to Christianity around what a thousand. So no one really knows how huh? that's kind of cool. We don't really know. So finding something like that, that might be the only stone from, you know, the Viking age Yeah. that actually depicts Loki. There might not be anything else. Well, I think that one um, little fact about the movie and the few little runes and the way they're introduced and talked about or like shown for lack of a better term. I guess you can't talk about the rune. They even though they yeah. do. Um, but I it, it just shows once again a respect of the actual historical elements and not just someone making up some stuff on the fly, like, oh, let's just make this symbol because it looks cool. Yeah. It's like someone who actually put in research, thought, like the writer, the actual writer did a great job. Or, yeah, so, or at least the, the guy who did the book. Yeah, yeah Adam Neville. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so a lot of this movie is, you know, the, the question of what's going on. But then we actually find out what's going on. Yeah. Um, so... Essentially, these woods, this this particular forest, is the home of one of the Jotun, which are from Jotunheim, not surprisingly. Those are frost giants. That's where the frost giants are. Uh-huh. And they say it's a Jot a god, a Jotun, a bastard child of Loki. Um and we still haven't really seen it at this point. We know yeah, we've seen little pieces thing. of it. It's also it's obviously huge because it's jamming people and animals onto broken branches of trees that are 10, 12 yeah, feet 10, up. Yeah, 10, 12 feet up. Um, so this this creature is it uh, it's doing it's definitely like judging your character in some respect. It is. And that's the part that's not like really explained as much but this this girl in this cabin so when uh luke wakes up this girl is there and tells him uh that he was chosen because of uh because his pain was so great that's why he was chosen for this yeah and i think that reflects back to what i was talking about earlier like the way they kind of imply that luke's visions are the hardest yeah, oh, and he's the one that... And he's the one that can deal with them. He has so much guilt for his friend dying. Yeah. And making his friend come in the liquor store with him. Yeah. Because he wanted a drink, and his friend wanted to go home to his wife and kids. Yeah. You know? So the, there's so much guilt in there that, yeah, this, this creature's almost like... It almost, like, is taking pity on him. Yeah. By murdering all of his friends. Oh, well, is it is it taking pity on him, or is it just realizing in advance through its visions through its magical powers that, that, he'd that be a good he would worshiper? be a good worshiper maybe i don't know we don't know what its motivations really are but these people who live in this little community in this wood in the woods are all protected and guarded by this creature they have to make sacrifices to the creature 
um, but it gives them unnaturally long life. So some of these guys you're looking at, it seems like some of them were probably like Viking dudes. Yeah, exactly. That are still hanging around. And that's the vibe I think they're trying to give. Or, or this this cycle of new people come in. Especially the old lady. When the old lady walks in, that's definitely the vibe you get. Like she's probably the oldest. Yeah. Well, the oldest until Luke gets up into the attic because you keep hearing this crazy yeah. noise coming from above him in the in the upstairs, and he finally gets up there, and there are these like pews. Just filled with corpses, right? or like or what almost, you think is corpses. I, I've been playing Skyrim, so I saw it and immediately just thought, "Oh, it's Draugr," because <laughs> that's your Norse mythological, you know, zombies, basically. Okay, these reanimated corpses. But what it looks like is this this uh, long life that you get by living in this town and worshiping this Jotun. Yeah, you'll stay alive. You'll stay alive even once you're dead. And yeah, you're just sort you're of groaning, a worship machine groaning and worshiping in a pew as you as you decompose. Yeah, that was a very creepy scene. Yeah, it, I, I like the way he just instantly he took his friend's advice and he's and he like, we're going to burn it all down. Yeah, burn it all down. Um, and this is also where you're about to get the first actual glimpse of the oh, you've already seen the entire monster by now because yeah. we didn't even mention the scene where well, Luke, they are tied up and yeah. then his friend gets taken away and sacrificed. Yeah, these 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 people basically tell him like, yeah, we're gonna sacrifice your friend. Yep. And he sees it happen like yeah. through the through the slats. He finally he's watching his friend about to die. He actually he makes the right choice. He breaks his thumb. Yep. I <laughs> If you're tied up, it's become convention that if you break your thumb, you can just slip, slip out, out of anything. Yeah. You gotta break your thumb the right way. Yeah, you can't just no. I my thumb's broken, so now handcuffs don't work. You gotta like um, smash it in. But yeah, he, you can't it, pull it out. It looked like he broke it the wrong way. Yeah, like he popped it out of socket. It would have made his wrist bigger or yeah. something. I and thought that's safe. And now it's swollen. <laughs> uh, but. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. But he makes a choice. He goes out to try to save his friend, which of course he can't. But then he runs. He's actually face to face with this thing, and it it's got this weird little like face in its horse neck because it's uh -huh. it's a four legged like elk. But if Godzilla was an elk, and then there's a face, and it it's sort of has arm mandibles, and then. There's a lot going on. You really so need can, to look at look at a picture of it. I can tell you a little bit about the design. Do it. Um, first of all, the creature itself is modeled after a Slavic folklore of the Leshy. Okay. So that's what it's originally modeled after, or the its Leshy. main idea. Uh, and the person who designed it, Keith Thompson, is a regular for Guillermo del Toro. No relation. Nope. Well, Me. maybe. You don't know. Maybe I am related Who to knows? you. Who right. knows? But if you've ever seen the movies um, Crimson Peak or Don't Be Afraid of the Dark uh, and a few others, that's those are other monsters that this guy has designed, and they're very similar in feel, for lack of a better term. Yeah. But yeah, like you were saying, a big, big elk with antlers on the top that transforms into a human shape, kind of. Sometimes um, when it wants to. The, the it creature design is itself even if you didn't like the beginning of the movie you could fast forward to the end just to watch the unique creature design and it would be worth it yeah it's a good it's it's really it pays off it's I unlike think. anything you've ever seen for sure yeah and if we get to this is the, this is the you know 
the thing. Like we said, these guys only had a million dollars, yeah, around a million dollar budget to work with. It's amazing. I don't know where the funding came from or anything, but the execution in this movie, in basically every level, is perfect. I mean, there's so it's so well done. The cinematography is gorgeous. The the soundtrack, the music is great. The score, it is, really is. is really good. The creature design. Like say, if you're in the market for uh, an off-putting kind of Lovecraftian cosmic horror story based in Norse mythology, this this is it. This is the one. Yeah, I would almost call it more thriller than horror because it really has that it has that dramatic tension for the majority of the movie before it kind of moves on to traditional horror. So there is some traditional horror yeah, in there. It doesn't hit the full like the 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 desperation necessarily yeah. of the the Lovecraftian you know style where you like oh I don't matter. Yeah. You know, he doesn't hit that point where he he but he he kind of resists it too and then ends up escaping, you yeah. know, getting away at the last second and then like yelling at it and flipping it off as he <laughs> walks towards the road because he got out he it can't leave the woods apparently yeah apparently it's afraid of open pasture yeah, or something or like that's that it's territory yeah and so now he's he's back outside and has to explain why all his friends are dead and he's covered in blood and why the fuck would you drop that axe <laughs> i would have kept <laughs> that axe for the rest guy. of my life if this would have been my first of all you didn't know it could have just been tricking you and coming up behind you could have used that axe at some point oh, yeah. but either way we have now that ends our section on the plot yeah the longest plot description ever because but honestly that's because we were both really into this movie i think yeah i and dug like, it we don't have much else to say probably about the like i said this is i don't have anything i'd necessarily change i'd like to i don't, I I don't know how more. i feel about the end i'm here or there about the end but that's just me being nitpicky honestly i still think it was incredible and, and by the end i mean the very last scene sure yeah and this movie too though i can't because it's so low budget i can't help but think like this is probably the best possible version of the ending for dude i'm know? in awe of what they did with what they had once yeah. again like you have you have to compare this to other we're comparing this to movies with $15 million budgets, $20 million budgets. Oh, yeah. $100 million budgets. Like, this thing had less than a million dollars, realistically. And yeah. they stretched it. It was awesome. Yeah. Well, really where we go here would be probably best scene, worst scene. Best scene, worst scene. So what, what, was, what would you say is your absolute favorite scene? Or we can, since we talked a lot about the scene and the plot, you can say your best ideological point about the movie what was your favorite thing about the movie i mean the my favorite thing is the way the 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 memories were sort of like appearing his memories yeah. were sort of appearing in the woods that concept so all the, the, the like nightmare scenes the nightmare basically. scenes i loved like i said when you just see him sleeping and and the the lightning's flashing outside yeah and then it it, it flashes again and and then it just flashes but stays on and it wakes him up like and he goes out, and the outside is the liquor store, but it's still the woods. Yeah, I just thought that was so great and so trippy. I love the end. I love the monster. I love how, and when he's sort of struggling with it, it picks him up and looks at him, and then it pushes his head down. It's like, no worship, just stay down. That out. was going to be my favorite part, actually, oh. the worship part. But that's cool. Yeah. We can talk about it now because yeah. obviously both of our favorite parts. It was just really neat because 
like this thing doesn't just want to kill him. Yeah, it wants to teach it to worship him. It doesn't. Well, yeah, it's not trying to kill him. Yeah. It's trying to, and it thinks it's helping in some sense. And maybe it would if he could, because I don't know. We he'd never, we didn't see the full ego breakdown, and and sort of he didn't give up in that Lovecraftian way and succumb yeah. to madness. Yeah, he, he fought it off and said, "No, fuck you." I found this axe. Yeah, I found an axe. Uh, which is cool. That's the, the, you know, sort of the Lovecraft light because it doesn't go into the the actual like psychological despair. Yeah. Um, but it's it was fun. Um, I said worst. I don't think that I had a worst, but for best, like that's the the stuff that really makes this movie for me is seeing the, the that the transition of the way that little bits of the of the liquor store, like, you know, the shelves are intermixed with the leaves and yeah. the roots are coming up and, and the, the, the incandescent lights are like hanging from the, from nothing. You I know? think what you probably like a lot about this movie is you're a big practicals guy. And it oh, looks yeah. like a lot was done with practicals to save money. And CGI was just like the monster. If I had to guess, Yeah, and we're I would also, love to see some like green screen background footage. Like before it was transformed. Of I've this. seen statues. Like like statues of it, like sculpted when they were designing it. Oh, okay. Uh, I haven't seen any of that though. Uh, but you know, we're both guys too who are thinking like, if we can get a great idea to make a horror movie, we'd probably do it at the drop of a hat. Yeah. You know? So, as someone who's always thinking about how I would approach it, th- this this is they nailed it. Yeah. You know? They absolutely I agree. nailed to to do this kind of movie, which is. The Lovecraft stuff is always so ambitious because it's so hard to do. And it's it's so, if you, if you do too much, it's hokey. And if you do too little, then nothing is happening. Yeah, then so it doesn't make sense even. It's it's a really fine line to walk. And I think that these guys really walked it as closely as you can for no money. I thought they also did an excellent job of how well they introduced these five characters that quickly became four and you knew it, w- it was a lot of show don't tell, like we talked about in our last episode. Isn't it, bruv? <laughs> yeah, if we didn't mention it yet, these are all, all like right. British people. Could go around the pub then, isn't it? <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> they're all, they're all, it's good. It's great stuff. Uh, I thought it was all very believable, like friendships. It seemed yep. like a real group of friends. Great character they design. Had, yeah, they had their. They had little. They were bicker the way that people that have known each other yep. for twenty years would. And like that scene. You're not my friend anymore. Well, yeah, because when it finally comes out, like uh-huh. some of his friends blame Luke Him. for yep. getting Robert killed. Yep. And for not help. How did you come out without a drop of blood on you when he got his head split open? Yeah, that's a legitimate question. It is. And having it out in the middle of the woods where there's a monster, because that fight comes. A minute and a half after he first saw the creature up over yep. the ridge, yep. he comes running back down to find his friends and they get in this huge fight. And then it's like, well, did you remember that there's a monster Yeah. <laughs> while you're having this interpersonal debate? Um, but once again, it just it the, the movie kind of takes you so. High Good. quality. So I think I think that's it on the the list of things to do. I give this movie two Jotuns up. <laughs> two two arm mandibles up. Two two antlers. Yeah. Two high antlers. Absolutely. All right. So uh, why don't you uh, t- tell the people 
maybe where they can find us and all that jazz. You can find us. Well, you already found this. Correct. So keep looking there for more of this in the future. Uh, you can also check out Unsolicited Conjecture on YouTube. You can email us at unsolicitedconjecture at gmail.com. Let us know what movies you want us to take a look at. Let us know what you think of the ritual. Did you like it? Did you also... Uh, like it. Really like it. Yeah, or did it, you not Yeah, did like you hate it? it? Let, let us know what you think. Uh, we probably don't care, but let us know yep, anyway. Don't care. But tell us, and uh, we'll read it. And maybe if we get some interesting things. We'll you want to uh, get ready and maybe play our theme song out again? Or theme song. Uh, we could. You want to play that theme song? We uh, can't play the theme song. Is that all we do at the end? We just uh, give know. our plugs? We've, we've never done it before. But yeah, uh, I'd say go check out The Ritual. It's on Netflix. Yeah. So, free, free if you have Netflix or someone else who knows exactly. Netflix. Exactly. Go watch it and... Uh, yeah, and oh, we'll what? be back. We'll be back next week, or not next week, but our next episode. Jeremy, what uh, what are we talking about? This next one I'm time? really excited about because I've been wanting to watch this movie for a long time, and we're going to be seeing Mandy. As a matter of fact, we're going to be watching it as soon as I stop the record button on this episode. Yes, we are going to finish recording this episode, and we are going to watch Nicolas Cage's uh, 2019's Mandy's Mandy. It's really good, Mandy. Go watch Mandy. I've heard it's great. We're going to find out that in just That is your required homework for next episode when we discuss Mandy. But uh, as always, I am Josh Thompson, and that's Jeremy Deal. That's me. And uh, goodbye. We'll talk about movies. You know we will. Both popular and obscure. It's Josh and Jeremy. It's unsolicited conjecture. It's unsolicited conjecture. Can you even believe I'd...